little bit. I was going to just kind of give you an overrun, but I'm going to read the testimony of what one of the, what's going on in one of these locust invasions. Fields of standing wheat and barley, vineyards, mulberry orchards, and groves of olive, fig, and other trees are in a few hours depraved of every green blade and leaf, the very bark being often destroyed. Their veracity is such that in the neighborhood of Brosa in the year of 1856, an infant having been left asleep in his cradle under some shady trees was found not long after partially devoured by the locusts. The ground over which their devastating hordes have passed at once assumes an appearance of sterility and dearth. Well do the Romans call them the burners of the land. That's the actual definition of the word, of the word locust. On they move, covering the ground so completely as to hide it from sight and in such numbers that it often takes three or four days for the mighty host to pass by. When seen at a distance, this swarm of advancing locusts resembles a cloud of dust or sand. Reaching a few feet above the ground as the merits of the insects leap forward, the only thing that momentarily arrests their progress is a sudden change of weather. The scourge thus often comes to an end, but it, as it happens, the, decom the decomposition of millions of insects produce pestilence and death. We've seen them passing like a cloud at a height of even two or three hundred feet. So what's the point that Joel's trying to make here? I think the point he's making is that wave after wave after wave of these locusts. One type comes in and they, they just destroy so much. Then the other one comes in and they're, they're hungry and they're looking for something. And the other wave comes behind them. And wave after wave after wave hit Judah until there was nothing left. Say, so, well, what, what point is he making here? God is going to carry on a judgment like has never before in the history of the world ever thought about. It's going to ravage this world until the devastation, it, it, it just, nothing is left. Nothing is left. God's going to carry out his purpose here. Initially, in this first uh, period, when, when Babylon comes in, and they're going to come in wave after wave after wave, until they have destroyed the country and taken every person that they want out of the country. It's going to be just, just total destruction. And this is what he's saying. He said, it's like these locusts that you know, you can see, you can, you've, you've experienced this. And he said, it, it's totally devastating. But the day of the Lord that's coming as he sees Babylon coming into the land and destroying everything, wave after wave after wave. 
But what he did not realize, Joel did not understand even the, 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 the far reaches of this. As he was prophesying also about the day of the Lord that was coming. And as you've ever studied the book of Revelation, what you see is God bringing wave after wave after wave. You have the, the tribulation period, the day or the battle of Armageddon. You have the seals. You have the trumpets. Then they come another wave with the vials and then another wave with the bowls and then the thunders and, and over and over until God in the battle of Armageddon says this is it and destroys every lost man on the earth and cast them into the lake or into hell. The devastation. You know, people say, well, you know, they're going to... Watch the 10 o'clock news or something like that. There's not going to be no TV. I mean, you have a bad rainstorm or something and, and you lose power. When you have earthquakes all over and you have, you have meteorites coming out of the sky and, and hitting them all over the world. And you have the devastation and, and the wars and, and the famines and, the, and all the pestilence just like he talked about here. You're, you're going to have so, such total chaos in this world. Florida is not even a thimble compared to what God's going to do. And this is what he's trying to say. He said, I'm trying to show you what I'm, what I'm, what's going to happen here. He says, look at the locusts. Look at what I have done just through the locusts. He says, warn your children, tell your children about this, and tell your grandchildren about this, and have them tell the, the next generation about this. Because it's going to happen. And in his mind, he's maybe thinking Babylon, and Babylon did come in and did exactly what he was saying, but not near to the depth of what he's talking about here. Do we understand what a wonderful God that we have? That he has promised us exemption from this destruction? Do you realize what God has promised us as believers? But understanding that the rest of this world, our friends, our neighbors, our family members are going to go through it? It should drive every one of us to the track rack, to the, to the neighbors, to, to take the gospel to people somewhere. Now look in verse 5. Awake ye drunkards and weep and howl, all ye drunkards of wine, because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. And we could, we could stop here and we could just cover for weeks about drinking and the devastation of drinking. And I've, I've been doing a lot of research on this, building gospel tracts and things like this and, and studying all about it. And, and, and I've seen people say, boy, you know, you, 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 we're filled with the Holy Spirit so that we can drink wine and we can go to the bars and we can do this and that. Uh, you can't imagine the excuses that people make. 
And I, I, I almost got off track of what God was doing here and, and got sidetracked. That's not, he, he's not talking about all that. We could go there, but we're not. The drunk, the drunkard here, sir, is serving as an example. Drinking overpowers the human being and enslaves them and destroys them. A drunkard is under the influence, we call it, or overpowered by something. They are out of control. They do not control themselves any longer. I used to be a drunk before I got saved. You're not under control. You say, well, it, it, it takes me about a, a six-pack before I get drunk. Then when you drink one, you're a sixth drunk. And already you have started to lose control. Notice he says the very first work, word, awake. Awake. What's that mean? They were asleep. They were asleep. It was as if Israel was in a drunken stupor. All of Israel, the drunkards and all of them that drank wine and every, all of these people, they, they were in this drunken stupor. And God is going to cut them off. He says, wake up. I'm going to cut you off. Why? A drunk worries about where he's going to get the next bottle or whatever. He doesn't say he smashes up the liquor store. He says, I'm going to send these, this like an army, like a bunch of locusts. And when they come in, they not only take the grapes, they take all the leaves, and they take the branches and they take the bark which destroys the entire plant. Now it's important you get this. He is destroying the very possibility of their joy. He will not allow them to have joy. In anything, what they're wanting to do. America, like Judah, is drunk. We are asleep. We are in a stupor. We are, I'm talking about us. We are controlled by a woke culture. We won't say certain things. We won't stand up. When it's time to stand up. We allow things to be done in our presence and around our communities that, that we should absolutely be ashamed of. We, we, are, we are so full of pleasure and the flesh. Listen to what Romans 13 11 says. And that knowing the time that now it is high time... To awake out of sleep. This is not just Old Testament stuff. 
God writes it in the New Testament. He said it's, it's high time to awake out of sleep. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. He's saying Joel is warning that Judah back in the Old Testament. But the Apostle Paul is warning us in the New Testament period of exactly the same thing. He said you're asleep. Wake up. Look around you. Look at our country. Who in, with a brain would have even thought. 20 years ago that we would even be talking about stuff that they're talking about. And even discussing, is a man a man or is a man a woman? We're asleep. God's judgment touches the sin in human life. We have been so consumed with the pleasures of sex and all of this that now sex has absolutely run rampant and God is using it to punish us. We absolutely are under the influence. We are controlled by TV by many different things, we're addicted. Take a, take, try to take a kid's iPhone away. Try to take an adult's phone away. We can't live without them. We make fun about going into McDonald's and kid not knowing how to make change. When's the last time we made change? We are so addicted to electronics and sports and vacations and, and comfort that we're, we're literally in a sleep in America. If somebody's killing school children and eating, would we just stand by? You'd say, well, no, we'd stop them. Not now, not nowadays. You watch people and when somebody gets knifed and gets shot and gets mugged and gets raped, they, take, they stand there and take a picture or a video of it. They do not rush to help. That's our society today. We sleep. We see people, we talk about people in, in the scriptures that God says they're lost. We look out here and we see, boy, these people are going to hell. And we sit here asleep. Pastor says we're going to have a, have a time when we all go out and, and just knock on doors. And you might get 20 people show up. And most of them are kids. We are intoxicated with self, with our, our own little world, and we're oblivious to what goes on around us. Notice what he said. He said, weep. That means to shed real tears. 
Not just crocodile tears. I mean real tears. The word howl means deep mourning and distress. He said, you drunkards in Judah, he said, you need to wake up and you need to weep and you need to howl. You need to get serious about this because I'm going to cut it all off. And you won't even have grape juice, let alone wine. I'm going to cut off your whole joy and there's not going to be any peace. Remember in the Old Testament they, they, they would go in and some of the kings would, would change and go back and try to reinstitute worship but they wouldn't take down the high places. Said they left the high places. That's where they went to burn incense. That's where they went to do a lot of their, their pagan worship. And I think that's what we've done. We've become religious. But in our drunken stupor, in our, in our sleepiness, we have just made a token to religion and not gotten serious and weep and howl. There's high places in our lives that we tolerate and we're not willing to totally eradicate them from our life. God created man. Get, get this down. God created man to experience real joy. He said, I come more abundant joy. Not just joy, more abundantly. Okay? God created man to experience real joy, but man surrenders himself to a substitute of the real thing. A substitute to pleasure, a substitute to fun, that all leads to his destruction. Judah had sought their pleasure, they'd sought their booze, they'd sought their sex, they'd sought all of their false worship, all of these things, they'd sought everything for self. And they did not realize that that is what was going to destroy them. That very thing. God says we're supposed to be filled with the Spirit. In other words, to be under the influence of the Holy Spirit. To be filled with the Spirit. Walking circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. And we could go into a lot about what being filled with the Spirit is. And most people have no idea that being filled with the Spirit, the two characteristics that are always there whenever you talk about or when it's written in the Scriptures about being filled with the Spirit, they are proclaiming the Word of God and doing so with boldness. Are you a soul winner? God says we're to be filled Ephesians 5.16 says, Redeeming the time because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine, where is an excess? But be ye filled with the Spirit. If we are filled with the Spirit, are we going to be out on the lake? 
on Sunday or are we going to be in church? Are we going to be at the ball field or are we going to be at prayer meeting? We, we, we've become asleep. It's, it does, it's not what God wants. It's, well, I'm a little bit tired today. Well, you know, I, listen, it's not about you. It's not about me. It's all about him. The fact that this prophet zooms in on the addicts to alcohol, it suggests that the, the whole of Israel had become controlled by this enjoyment and, and the pleasure. They were spiritually intoxicated. And what he was asking for was a spiritual awakening, not just a sobering up, a spiritual, real change awakening. Intoxication is the condition of having physical or mental control diminished by the effects of something. Now think about that. Your physical or your mental control diminished by something. And you can see it all, all over the place. That, that exhilaration, that excitement, that euphoria the, the, that man will give up everything for. Drugs. Drugs. The thing that they substitute is God and they take the drugs and they think, boy, this has given them a great euphoric experience. Boy, I'm, I'm going to have such a great time. And they're laying in the gutter all over, the, the homeless all over the place. Even the toilet, the street for a toilet. Are they happy? The money. How many of these guys blow their brains out when they, they, they get money? It's not the key. Sex. Sports. Music. Friends. Whatever diminishes that control that God should have Shows us that we're under the control of something that we should not be involved with. Dependence upon things. There's two Hebrew words here for wine. One is yayin, which is a fermented grape juice. And the other is asiak. It usually means must or fresh grape juice called sweet wine or new wine. And a lot of people say, well, that's, that's just, that's the grape juice. No, it's not. It depends on the context. I use, Isaiah uses that same word in the context of, uh, of being intoxicated. That you have to look at each one of those words in the context that they're written to find out whether it's good or bad. And most people will just make an assumption. What is he saying? That for those who are drinkers, God will destroy not just the alcohol, but even the means of making it. There are no grapes. There, there's no grape juice. God has taken away the very essence 
and the possibility of their enjoyment. No matter what they do, they cannot replicate it. They cannot have that joy. It's like dad not just removing a dangerous app from a phone, but smashing the whole phone. It's like taking away the gas card. No, smashing the entire car. God will remove the possibility of joy and pleasure. And as I dwelt on this and prayed about this, God showed me a passage that I had not even thought of in connection. But in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 24, he says, God gave them up to uncleanness, to dishonor their own bodies. Verse 26, God gave them up. To vile affections. Their natural use gone. Verse 28. God gave them over to a reprobate mind. In verse number 27 he says receiving in themselves. Now watch this. What's God going to use? He's going to use sin to destroy us. He's going to take away the very essence of, of the joy. They receive in themselves that recompense of their error, which was meat. They replaced real joy for dishonor, filth, destruction, abomination. They cannot enjoy what God created for joy. You say, oh no, they're happy. Then tell me why that in, nine, in 21, 2021... 45% of the sodomites wanted to kill themselves. Sound like they're happy? What God has done when he has turned them over, when they, they have, he cut them loose, they're going to supposedly enjoy their pleasure, but their pleasure, they can't. God is cutting, the, cutting it off. They cannot enjoy their pleasure they cannot enjoy what God has created for true pleasure. And they are miserable. And that's those that seriously contemplated suicide, 48%, almost half of them. That was according to CBS News. Likewise with the locusts, God is going to bring about total and complete destruction Joy is withered away. Look in verse 12 again. The vine is dried up, the fig tree language of the palm tree, the, uh, the pomegranate tree, the palm tree also, the apple tree, even all the trees of the field. He said everything, everything is withered. Why? He says because joy is withered away from the sons of men. God destroys the essence of their joy. No matter what they wanted, no matter what they craved, they cannot fulfill their joy. Their life is miserable. Their life is being destroyed in and through the very sins that they forsook God for. Our joy 
is in Jesus Christ. He never withers. He never fades. I wonder, do you have joy, real joy, wonderful joy? It only comes in Jesus Christ. You, you said, well, I, I just, I'm miserable at my job. Why? Why are we? Maybe because we're not seeking Christ, but we're seeking things. We want to crawl up the ladder and, instead of just being content and let God promote us. Well, my family and all just say, okay, wait, why? When God is first in anything, there can be real joy. People say, oh, you give up so much to go to the mission field and you sacrifice so much. No, we gain more. You won't hear one of these missionaries come belly aching and bad mouthing and why God sent me the mission field. I'm just so miserable. No, 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 no. They're filled with joy. Why? Because Christ is their life. And when Christ is your life, it don't make any difference where you are in the world. What, what, if it's a third world, a fourth world, a 17th world, or, it doesn't make any difference. If Christ is your life, there's going to be joy. He is the essence of our joy. If we're miserable, maybe we better take warning. That we're looking in the wrong place for joy. And we need to restructure our life. We need to reprogram things a little bit. And put God first. And all these things shall be added unto you. Father. Help us to take warning. Lord. You've made so plain in the book of Joel. What you're going to do. You showed them the locust invasion. And showed them what, what it was all about. And how it would affect even when Babylon would come in and take their nation. And it did exactly like that. But Lord you've shown us. Even through your word that that day of the Lord is coming. Lord I thank you so much for giving us salvation through Jesus Christ and that we will not go through those things but oh Lord help us to take this warning wake up that our lives might be changed and focused totally on you so that we can bring that gospel and share that gospel with a lost and dying world God help us to be soul winners in these days in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I don't know what you're, where you're at tonight. I don't know if you're happy, sad, whatever. But I pray that you will take a good, good look at your life. Is it filled with joy? Or are you miserable? Frustrated? It's one thing to be frustrated with government, but to be frustrated with life. God wants us to put him in the rightful place. And he he's asking them to repent and come back to him. 
And if we will do that, we'll not only have joy, but we'll have the blessings of Almighty God. Amen? Mm-hmm. Why don't you just pray one, one verse? I'm not going to have you come forward. But I want you to think, am I happy? Do I have joy? Is the things that I'm seeking the very things that is causing me the frustration in my life? And if it is, would you make it a point right now to say, God, it, I'm going to listen to you. And I want things to be different. Your house, your ministry, your people, your word, you are going to be number one in my life. Not job, not family, not all this other stuff. You. And when you put him number one, things will be different. Thank you, Anita. Brother, come.